Man, good morning. Good morning and happy Father's Day. Yeah, let's give it up for our fathers. Yeah, that was... Let's give it up for our fathers, man. Yeah. Um, man, um, hey, my name's Joshua, and, and in all sincerity, happy Father's Day. We got a lot of new dads in here, so if this is your first Father's Day. Um, shout out, way to go, way to be. Um, man, so excited you guys are here. We're in the Ruby. Uh, we're back. It feels good. This is week number three of us being back in person in this space. Um, and I hope that the first couple of weeks have kind of felt like a proverbial, like, big stretch and yawn. Like when you wake up on your day off and you just kind of like slowly like just embrace it, it's your day off. I hope that's what the first two weeks have felt like. You know, we just had like Cracker Barrel breakfast and tables and we just kind of chilled out, honestly. Um, I don't know if any of you were surprised by our first two weeks back. It was pretty chill. I looked back and I was like, was it too chill? I don't know. Anyway, but I'm glad we did it. The food was fine. And uh, anyway, so uh, th- this week, though, as you notice, if you were here any of the past two weeks, uh, we had tables and chairs. And so everyone was sitting together and you were facing a lot of people and eating, whatever. And uh, as you notice, we don't have that now. We have rows. And I actually want to explain that. I hope you know there's purpose behind even the way we like set up chairs. So I learned years ago as I was being trained to be a church planner, pretty sick, pretty epic. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that joke is. I don't know what that joke was supposed to do just then. But anyway, I'm sorry. Let's keep moving. Um, But I learned that if a room is 80% um, or more full, that it doesn't feel hospitable to a newcomer. So if a a room is 80% full or more, if someone's new, they won't feel like they have a seat at the literal table or the proverbial table in that space. And so shout out to you guys. The first two weeks felt like 95% full. Uh, If we had tables, there just really wasn't room to walk. Like I remember trying to get to my wife as she was worshiping. I was like, wow, I kind of have to like bump into a few people. And so we're back to Rose. So as tables are conducive to like meeting people and having conversation because you're sitting directly across from them, um, I ask you, I implore you to carry the spirit of the table. May you be conducive to welcoming conversation in this space. So in the same way, if you were sitting at a table with someone within a couple of feet of you, you get to know them, keep doing that. Let's keep getting to know each other um, as we come here on Sundays. Don't let someone around you be a stranger, especially if they're sitting on their own. So, so be an extension of uh, the warm welcome, okay? Is that cool? Nod your head, agree? Awesome. So um, several weeks ago, when, whenever the cannery opened back up, and so we had this in-person gathering, um, and it was central. We didn't have all of our campuses, but we did have the cannery. Um, we had masks and social distancing, and, and Leah and I, we were um, back, I don't know if this was the first week or the second week, back in person at church, um, but she either made a state. this story is really vague, but she either made a statement or asked a question, and when she said it, it like was like, it rang true in my heart. She said something like, you know, being back in person makes you wonder, like, why do we do church like this? Why, why, why do we, like, gather in person on a Sunday? Like, what's the point of church, right? And um, I don't know if that sounds heretical, um, if the pastor's wife should be asking questions like that, um, but, but it gets even worse. I really resonated with her question. I was like, yeah, you know what? That's a really good question. Why, why do we do church? And it's kind of easy to forget, right? We had 15 months off of this rhythm, and I don't know if anyone else has come back in person and been like, you know what? For the last 14, 15 months, we had a live stream, like, you could still get in the word in your living room. You could even invite some friends over. Um, you could worship from the comfort of your home. So why do we do church like this? And that's kind of the aim of today is to just kind of remind us 
of why we do what we do. You're here as are 60-something other people, and we're all here on Sunday at 10. What is going on with that? Why is that? And so we're going to take some time to explain today. And my goal is for this not to feel like a business meeting, um, which I think is a really good goal for a church gathering. Um, but the reason I say that is because I, do, I have like some list-heavy stuff, and I, I think it's easy to follow along, but I really want to give us purpose for why you're here today, especially if you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, I follow Jesus, and I believe in the church. I really want to give you like a strong sense of purpose why we gather here, uh, whether it's on Sunday in the corporate setting or throughout the week in small groups. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about church today. I know I've already prayed, but I want to ask um, a special favor from the Lord. So let me pray one more time, and then I'll share what's on my heart, okay? So God, will you um, please, uh, will you help today lay um, a strong foundation for the people uh, that really believe in you and believe in being a part of a church? Will you help solidify kind of the why behind a church gathering? I know I'm not going to do a perfect job explaining it, but Holy Spirit, will you help, um, yeah, just fortify for us what it means to say, I go to a church. I'm a part of a church family. Please, Lord, um, so that the following Sundays and during the week, that whenever we do things as a church, we're doing it from this sense of calling, this sense of purpose, God. I believe you've created the church to be such a gift, both to the church and to the world. And so just help us to to discover some more of that today. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you're taking notes, the first question I wanna ask is who are we? Who are we? This little assembly of people Who are we when we gather together? So to put it simply, um, we are a church. That's what this is called, all right? Did anyone just learn something new? Okay, um, awesome. So we are a church. So first of all, what that means is at its core, this doesn't apply to everyone that ever walks through these doors, but a church is a group of people that believe in the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Trinity, that they're three in one, one in three, grand mystery, but that God is the creator of the world and that he sent his son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, to live a perfect life. He dies on the cross, resurrects from the grave, and he had to do that in order to give us a chance to have a relationship with God himself for our sins. Our sin created a gap. Jesus closes the gap, and it's in him alone we have salvation and relationship with God himself. Oh, it's up there. I was looking over here, but the projector doesn't even point this way anymore. That was 15 months ago. Anyway, so we believe that in Jesus, we have relationship with God. Not only that, a church is a group of people that believe that, and they have professed that publicly through baptism. So when you're baptized, like, you remember this, Addie, like, When you go under the water, you are dead to sin. When you come out of the water, alive in Christ, it is publicly declaring, like my journey with Jesus is not just this private, secret thing. I am publicly telling the world, I am a follower of King Jesus. A church is a group of people that believe in God, believe that Jesus is the way to the Father. They've been baptized, and then also they've been gifted with the Holy Spirit. And so whether you have a moment in your life where you went like, it was like 10 lightning bolts hit me and I just like received the Holy Spirit, or maybe it was a little more subtle and nuanced than that, like in my journey. But if you believe in Jesus, I believe that you have the Holy Spirit. So a church is a group of people that believe in Jesus and have been gifted with the Holy Spirit, all right? And they're gathering together. In 1 Corinthians 12, 
verse 27, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, a group of people much like this one where the core believes in Jesus, has been baptized, has the Holy Spirit, and he's going to use this language to describe this group of people gathered together. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So individually, you are a member of something bigger collectively. So when we all individually follow Jesus, surrender to Jesus, and then come together, we make up something really quite remarkable. Paul says, when you gather together, you form the body of Christ. And if you read the verses before verse 27, Paul lists out all the different gifts that we all share. And when we come together, all those gifts make up the life of Jesus. So like God is big and complex and diverse and nuanced. And no one person could ever like represent on their own Jesus. Like if I was like, Addie, perfectly represent Jesus this week. It's an impossible task. Paul goes, no, Jesus is so vast, so beautiful. God's so wondrous. It takes all of us in our different gifting, coming together, surrendered to Jesus to make up the body of Christ. And as I was thinking about this week, what that means, I felt kind of two things there. One, what a reward. What an honor. Like, I don't know what you think about Jesus, but I think a heck of a lot of Jesus Man, Jesus in his power, his compassion, his kindness, his sweetness, his grace, his mercy, his healing power, his ministry, his selflessness, his sacrifice. I think so highly of King Jesus. And Paul says, when we gather together, we are the extension, the body, the direct representation of Jesus himself. Church, church, Body of Christ, whoa, what a sweet gift. That'll shake you up. (laughs) What a sweet gift. Hey, do you hear me? Come back. I almost failed. Come back. Um, Jesus, you represent Jesus. When we come together collectively surrendered, you represent Jesus himself. That is an honor. His name is over this church. Oh, Man, what a sweet gift. And then I also felt the responsibility of that. Hey, that's a big deal. That when this church is functioning, its responsibility is to be an extension of the life of Jesus in this city. Like that's, that's our calling. Like who we are informs like how we live and we are the body of Christ. So we should live as the body of of Christ, and, I, and as I was thinking about like the, the responsibility of that, the weight of that, I just kind of struck by what can sometimes even like come into my leadership where I'm like, yo, like welcome, super chill, like coffee, Cracker Barrel, like just make yourself at home, whatever's comfortable. Hey, here's the next step if it's cool with you. It's like, wait, hold on. We got to balance that like warm greeting, like wherever you're at, which is totally true with, hey, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you are here, it is on you to like buy in and be surrendered to Jesus because collectively we have to be an accurate representation of Jesus Christ himself. That is a high calling. 
And so it's my job as the appointed leader of this group to help form us and shape us to where the world looks at our small, cute little church on Blakemore Ave and goes, that church reminds me directly of Jesus Christ himself. So who are we? We are the body of Christ, individually uh, members of something that collectively represents Jesus himself. Second, so that's who we are, okay? Second, I couldn't think of it if this was a sub point or its own point, so the wording is already kind of messed up, but what happens as a result? That's not how you should label a point, but that's my point. So what happens as a result of who we are? So because we are the body of Christ, what happens as a result of that identity? And we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there to Acts 2, 42. Um, let's look at the word as I teach out of it. So in Acts 2, Peter, a disciple of Jesus, preaches this Holy Spirit-filled sermon. And the first church is quite literally formed right here. 3,000 people come to believe in Jesus. And it's actually pretty cool. Verse 42 says what this group of people did in response to following Jesus. And I kind of thought about this for a second. It was really interesting. This group of people began to live out the blueprint of the church. Like, I don't think anyone walked up to them and said, hey, whatever you do from this point out, we're gonna write it down. And 2,000 years later, people are gonna study it and try to do the same thing. That's a pretty daunting task. I'm like, I really don't want people 2,000 years from now trying to watch The Office at nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Like, that's not worth repeating in my life, right? Um, But these people, in response to Jesus, begin living the blueprint of what it means, what happens when you're the church of Jesus. And so in verse 42, it says, this group of people that have surrendered to Jesus, been baptized, received the Spirit, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So he gives four succinct, quick descriptions and I'm gonna walk through all four. Like I said, a little list heavy, but this is gonna hopefully kind of form our foundation for us. So first, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles are preaching out of the scriptures, out of the the history, the poetry, the law, and they're teaching the overall narrative of God. At this time, they've got the Old Testament, and then they've got Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament. And so they are teaching about the ways of Jesus rooted in the scriptures of the Old Testament. And the people of God are obsessed with the word. They commit immediately to the teaching of the word of God. So they believe that this Bible, and we've added the New Testament, which is super critical, but that this word of God is different. It's special. It has an elevated role. So we have additional readings that we read and we say, oh, that's good, that's helpful, but it sits more level, right? We, we read it, we think about it. What did I like out of that? What did I not like? Let's critically assess it. But scripture stood much higher Scripture was put in this like holy place of whatever you say. Like I'm asking God, what are you saying in this? Because it has a direct role in shaping my life and our church's life. So there's this commitment to the word. Like there's a reason that every Sunday I don't come up and go, hey, um, today we're gonna be in the Tennessean page number two. We're gonna read that like third paragraph down, that that little heading there. We're gonna teach out the Tennessean today, right? Or I don't come up here going like, hey guys, I was reading a really good book by Francis Chan. Uh, There's a book on your chair. Turn to page 30. We're gonna preach out that today. As much as those might be helpful, there's this understanding this word is infinitely more valuable than anything else that I could read, that I could teach out of. And so it is my responsibility 
for the church to get you in the word. In the formal setting on Sunday, I'm gonna teach out of the word. You'll help me encourage you to get in the word, but you'll also hear me charging you to be in the word during the week. Hey, sometime this week, if you don't already have a plan in your time with God, here's a passage of scripture I want you to reflect on, right? What I'm doing there is trying to cultivate a hunger for the word of God because it has a special place in the church. Secondly, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. All right, are we still with me? Are we here? Stay locked in. This is big. This is big here, okay? Um, Now, this fellowship that's being described, really what that word in the Greek means is they devoted themselves to sharing things with one another. And while certainly this would have applied to like physical goods, like, you know, hey, you need to borrow a hammer. Here, here, I'm sharing it with you. Um, It would have more so directly applied um, to sharing uh, ideas, attitudes, purposes, the mission, the activities that Christians shared. They shared those things together. In other words, followers of Jesus that make up the church are committed to spending time with other people that follow Jesus on a regular basis. There is this like intrinsic value of being around other people that say, I am following Jesus. Like there's a reason that when I preach, I don't go, hey, whether you're here on Sunday or you decide to stay home and do a devotional with your friends, Like there's this belief that, man, something happens when a corporate gathering of people, when a group of people that all share a belief in Jesus, like something is reserved for that space. They were committed to the fellowship of believers. So there's something important about that. I don't know if you've ever heard like, you're the sum of your five closest friends. Like whoever's closest to you is what you're gonna look like. Right, like there's just something about us being around other people that shapes us, and I believe that's God-given, that he has made us to be that way. And its primary use is being around other people following Jesus so that we can share in that kind of infectious spirit. So even if I'm not where I wanna be with Jesus, if I'll just commit to being around other people that follow Jesus, that I wanna look like, I will slowly become like them in a really good way. I don't know if you've ever been cliff jumping and been scared to jump off, and you need to see two or three of your friends jump off and then also arise out of the water alive and fine. And, and then you went, okay, thus I have the courage to jump, right? Like there's just something special that happens. And so the hope is, I would hope we understand the value of this space. More than watching on a TV, more than listening to a good podcast, there's something special like when Nordista and me share the worship space. Something happens in my soul when I watch Nordista lift his hands or talk through what he's processing in the word or share something that's been hurting him this week. There's something special about the fellowship of believers that can only happen when we gather together like this. Okay, then it says they were committed to the breaking of bread. Now, this would have been formal and informal. So breaking of bread would have been literally talking about communion. When you think about Jesus breaking the bread, sharing it with his disciples, remembering the body and the blood of Jesus, which we do every single week. So formally breaking bread, praying together, but also informally. It it literally meant they just like shared meals together. So what this means is their church community was also their like primary community. They didn't just like hang out on Sundays. They welcomed people into their homes. They shared meals together. And it's here where I was reminded that this community here at the Ruby, if you say, I go to Ruby, this is my church, this community will go as deep as really this community desires it to go. That it's kind of up to us. If you want to compartmentalize this 
And keep this as your Sunday community. So you have your Monday through Saturday hangs, and then you have your Sunday hangs. It's like, oh, hey, good to see you again. Like, you're my Sunday friend. I'm not even going to preach against that. That is your prerogative. However, I think there is something special if we'll choose to go deeper in the relationships here throughout the week, if we will break bread together, share normal life together, break the stigma of discipleship only happens if you have like an hour of coffee on Thursday morning. <laughs> like instead, like, do you want to go shopping together? Do you want to go hiking together? Do you want to go get a lift together? Me and you, we can get some bench in. I don't know who I'm impersonating. I've never met someone that talks like this. <laughs> but, but there is something about going deeper outside of this like routine compartmentalized place. And that's our prerogative. But the church in Acts understood there was something special about taking it beyond. And I'm not asking you to be best friends with everyone here. I understand we all have lives outside of this space. But I would encourage you to think about one, two, five people you connected with here and just consider taking those relationships deeper. I think something special happens in this space when we're close outside of this space, which may be kind of sitting the obvious. So that's number three. Four, they committed themselves to the prayers. And again, this word prayers would have had a formal and informal push. It's like on the formal side, when I say, hey, let's bow our heads and pray, or let's circle up in communion after you get done sharing what's on your heart, pray together. Like when Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And he cites Matthew 6, our Father who art in heaven. And we think about the formality of that prayer. And we think through the significance of those words, a prayer that's been handed to us. And then also the informal, like taking prayer beyond these like house church boxes and going, man, like we're at Burger Up, we're catching up and you just shared something really hard. Hey, why don't we just pause real quick, put your burger down, clean your hands. And let's just pray for a second or don't clean your hands while you're at Whole Foods grocery shopping, while you're at the park, while you're hanging out going, hey, you just shared something really cool. What if we just stop for two seconds and just thank the Lord right here together? We just acknowledge that's from God. Oh, the church was committed to prayer in the formal and the informal setting. And I was just reminded of how sweet informal prayer can be. On the formal side, you'll hear all the time here, but I just invite you to think about your friendships outside of this space. God, will you point out when you're trying to, in the sweetest way, interrupt our day and just have us in your presence, and me and my squad, it's just acknowledging your sweetness, your goodness. So they committed themselves to the prayer. So that's just a glimpse. Obviously, this is a much bigger conversation. But what happens as a result? Acts 2.42, if you want just a brief synopsis of what happens when a group of people form the church. So that's number two. Number three, why are we? Why are we here? Why is the church, other than just like us, like hanging? and it's cool. Why are we here? What's the big reason behind this? So here at Ethos, we would say we exist to... That is really encouraging. <laughs> We've had a long break. Way to go. I, that's the first time I've done the call and response mission thing. So way to go. That's, that's amazing. So we exist to love God, love people, and awaken a movement. And that's not just like a catchy thing that we thought of. Man, that sounds really good. I feel like people will remember it. They'll be inspired. It's like super sick. That's not what made it happen. This is rooted in the great commandment and the great commission. I mean, directly from scripture. So let's talk about love God, love people. This comes directly from Matthew 22. When someone approaches Jesus and says, what's the most important commandment? He says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, equal to it. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. So why does the church exist? First, the church exists to love God. That if you are a part of this church, that if you identify as a part of a church, you understand, man, first and foremost, we are here to surrender fully to God, to love God with the deepest parts of us, that we aren't here to, to figure out how to work God into like our life's activities and dreams and plans, to go, God, here's my plans, and let's, let's figure out where we can put you so this all makes sense. We are here to be fully surrendered. Our dreams, the future we're hoping for, open hands before God, going, God, we love you, and we love you too. You first loved us. You gave your life to us, and so in response, we give our lives to you. This church, its calling, first and foremost, is to be marked by a deep, deep affection for the Lord, marked by loving God. As long as you're here, man, my first job is to help you love God is to help you reciprocate the love of God on your life, to help you live a life of I love you too. So that's the first, that's the first purpose. Secondly, to love people, like really, really love people. That this space, for those that come here for one week, for those that are here for years, or for those people that just kind of walk around the area but they never actually walk through the doors, that they would know this is full of people that love people. And not just love people, but love people as themselves. I don't know about you. Sure, I've got insecurities, things I wish I could fix about myself, but all in all, at the end of the day, I'm a fan of myself. I love myself. It's just how it is. It may be underneath some layers of self-doubt, self-deprecation, but at the root of me, I really value my own life. <laughs> I love it. And scripture says, love others as you love yourself. And so if you're here and you keep feeling this, it feels like Josh is really pushing me to like notice people around me. He keeps pushing me to stop looking at myself so much and start looking at other people so much, 100%. Like I am really trying to help us and help myself see other people like Jesus saw them. He was so good at being present. There's this passage that goes, a guy asked him a question and before Jesus answered, it goes, he looked at him and he loved him. I want to produce a church of people that look at people and before they speak, they're just full of love for those people. That this church would be marked by that. And in an ideal world, there's two dudes getting coffee at Fido and they're like, yeah, I don't know what that building's about, but there's a group of people there and they just are super sweet. Pretty sure they're a church, not a church person, but they're sweet. They love people. Maybe that conversation will never happen because it's a pretty specific way to have that conversation, but I hope that happens. I hope people can testify of the love in this space, that we love people. So that's number two. And the number three, that we awaken a movement that is rooted in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, some of Jesus' last words, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus says, some of his parting words are, go and make disciples. What I've done in you, go do in someone else. So this, this thing, God, when we talk about him, we share his scriptures, when we worship his name, it's not meant to be contained 
here. Jesus says, go, take this life that you found beyond these walls. Tell other people, help them walk in relationship with God through Jesus. And as I was thinking about the Great Commission, I was reminded of Romans 1.16, where Paul says, I am unashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I don't know about you, but growing up, I had heard Romans 1.16. I grew up in a Christian home. There was this rap label that used Romans 1.16 as their anthem cry. I'm unashamed. Remember that song? Have y'all heard that song? I'm unashamed. And like, just picture a bunch of like angsty 14-year-olds at a concert being like, yes, like, I'm unashamed. I'll die for this. And it was like way more like me, courage, bravery in Jesus' name, which is good, right? But we live in the United States in the South, free speech, church is like pretty cool. Like it's like, it's pretty cool for the most part compared to other places. And as I was reading this, I was like, oh, Romans 1.16 is not a space for me to boast about how unashamed I am of the gospel. Paul says, I'm unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for your life. I'm unashamed for your sake. Why would I be ashamed of something that saves your soul? And so we as the church live with the spirit of, we are not ashamed to testify of the goodness of Jesus, not because we're overcoming fear, not because we're good at being brave, because the goodness in the gospel of Jesus will save your life. Like, it'll change the city. And right there, I don't know if I even feel it right now, but there's a mark of doubt in my own heart. Jesus, do I believe that? That not only are you good news for those that agree you're good news, but you're good news for those that don't yet know you. You're the best news for those that don't know you exist yet. You're the best news for those who are anti-God. You're the best news for people that hate Jesus. You're the best news. So I'm not unashamed of the gospel because I'm strong. I'm unashamed because it will change your life. It will bring genuine heaven sent salvation to your soul. And so as a pastor and as a church body, we say yes and amen to loving God with all of us, to loving people like we love ourselves and to awakening a movement, sharing the gospel of Jesus. We'll do this with deeds. We will serve our city, but man, also with words, sharing the good news of Jesus. Does that make sense? Hey, what I'm naming here is what is required of the church. This is our task, our responsibility. It's our invitation. It's our next step invitation, but it's also our responsibility to carry this out. And so anyway, all right, that's good. That's big. It's beautiful. I love it. All right, number four, or no, wait, number four? Yeah, number four. Where are we? Where are we located? This is simple, simple, easy, short, but let me just hit it. We're in Nashville, right? Boom. Um, I know it was really hard for me to get a count of how many people are in Nashville. My plan was to like unleash a demographic study on you. It was pretty conflicting and confusing. Like one number I found was 650,000 people in Nashville. And then another one said metro area 2 million. It's the surrounding. So you guys get it. And I don't even need to explain that. That's clear. And so anyway, the precise demographics I've given you is the truth of Nashville. Um, but I do know in the past five years, every year we've been a top 15, fastest growing city. We're surrounded by colleges, right? We're sandwiched right in between. Vandia Belmont got a lot of hospitals around, a lot of young professionals, entrepreneurs. But more, more specifically, where are we? We're on Blakemore Avenue. We're a small little local church. And we have a natural inroad to Aiken Elementary. So Mira Wasby, our kid's pastor, 
She is a, basically an employee at Aiken Elementary, but she's a full-time volunteer. Um, but she spends a lot of time there. And so we've been able to build a lot of friendship with Aiken Elementary. That's that school right in our backyard, a couple hundred yards back. And so with Aiken Elementary, from the beginning, we've just shown up there and went, man, what do you guys need? Like, what do you need? Whatever it is, whatever you want from us, we want to serve in whatever way we can. And so what does that look like? Uh, well, originally we threw some block parties. We had some of those sack races. Um, we've, uh, we've painted a lot. We've done some yard work at Aiken. Um, more recently, we've given a ton of food. So if you've ever been a part of our food drives where we give a, a lot of food to their, um, to their food pantry. And then every week, Hillsborough Village House Churches specifically have provided fuel bags to the students every single week while school's in session. But basically, we're right here and wherever we're placed locally, like our goal is not to be this like trend-setting church that, that everyone across the state is like, have you heard about that church in Nashville? Our goal is that people on Blakemore Avenue, people that are just kind of around us, know that we're here for the good of the city around us. And so what that looks like specifically is us partnering with Aiken. Hold on, let me find my next picture. Okay, here it is. Um, and this is rooted in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47, where it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Check this out. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And their Lord added to their number, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And so that's sort of the heart of being here on Blakemore Avenue, specifically in this neighborhood, that we would be the embodiment of Jesus, the kindness, the compassion, the generosity of Jesus in such a way that people who don't know us, that we'd have favor with them. The church was living out the character of Jesus in such a way that even people that weren't a part of the early church they liked the church being present. And I want the Ruby to be that kind of space. They're like, yeah, I'd never go to church. Pretty anti-Christian, but I'm really thankful that church is here because I know for a fact Aiken Elementary is better for it. Like they just serve our schools. They care about our schools, our teachers, our principals, our students. Like that's the kind of church we want to be. So where are we? We're right here. And we want to do a few things really well rather than a lot of things kind of okay. And one of those things is serving alongside Aiken. And so even for you as an extension of this church, thinking about, man, who's near us? How can we serve them? How can we represent Jesus to them? So we're here. Number five, how are we going to do all this? I've laid out a lot of stuff. How do we do this? How do we be the church fully surrendered to God? And this is simply by the power of the Holy Spirit. So before the like wondrous things in Acts 2 happen, there's this instruction, Jesus is parting words to the church, to the disciples in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Basically, Jesus says, hey, you're gonna change the world. Just wait. When my spirit comes, that will happen. And so there's this really epic moment where Jesus has been ministering with his disciples for three years. He's about to leave. He's given them the great commission. It's super epic. The disciples are like, wow, we're about to be world changers. And he goes, just wait. They're like, wow. <laughs> Feels like you really misled us there. Like all this hype talk about the great commission. We're going to the ends of the earth. And now you're telling us to hold up. He goes, wait, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit, and then these things will unfold. 
And what an important reminder for us. All these things I've talked about, loving God, loving people, awakening a movement, being present on Blakemore, changing the world around us, like our neighbors seeing us and just talking about the goodness of Jesus. But then God says, but just wait. Let my Holy Spirit lead us. And this is my promise to you that I'm sure I'll break, but I'll try my best not to, and I'll repent when I break it. But we will be a church that asks the Holy Spirit what he wants. Like, Holy Spirit, where are you leading? What do you want to unfold? And sometimes it may not even make sense, but we will be a church fully surrendered to the ways of God and his leadership. So this won't be done because of a really awesome, trendy sermon series with a great intro video and really catchy slides. As you can see, you saw the slides. Those are homemade. Those aren't trendy. Those aren't cool. It won't be because of how epic our worship is or how much you felt like the worship meshed with the sermon perfectly, which meshed with communion perfectly. It was just all seamless. That's not going to be what does it. The Holy Spirit's leadership is what will make this church be the body of Christ it's intended to be. And so that's not a commitment to us. And so what does this look like for the summer? I know I've talked, is everyone good? Are you still here? Has this been followable for the most part? Okay, because that's the, yeah, will, you, will, you, will you clap for me? Um, I'm just kidding. Sorry, the mic. Um, anyway, so what does that look like for the summer? And what I ask of you really for the summer to begin being the church of Jesus is just to show up here on Sundays. Like if you say, I'm a part of this church, just commit to being here. It's no joke to take 14, min- 14 months minutes, 14 months off of a rhythm and then just light switch back on your churchgoers in person again. That's hard. Easier said than done. Like subversively, it's really difficult to start this new rhythm. And so I would just say a good goal for the summer is if you're healthy and you can make it, be here. Like follow Jesus and do it in the context of this community if this is your church family. And that's really my only ask is let's use the summer to just get back into routine of gathering as believers, getting in the word together, praying together, worshiping together. And for today, uh, during communion, I just want to start by, actually, where is communion? What are we doing for communion? Is it back there? Okay, cool. But you don't have it at their seats, right? Okay, that's that's good. All right, so today, uh, during communion, should have thought about that. During communion, I'm just going to ask a simple thing. Will you circle up with two, four people around you and just pray for this church? Like, ask God, hey, as we start getting back into this regular Sunday rhythm, will you lead this church? Will you help us to be the body of Christ that you've called us to be? Like whatever your purposes are in the city of Nashville, in this neighborhood, like will you show your church, will you lead the way and just pray for the Ruby, pray for this community. And then maybe sometime this week, take some time just to pray for your role in this church. Like, God, why am I here? How can I be a blessing? And I don't mean like what ministry am I supposed to start? I mean like, God, how can I pray for the church? How can it be an extension of the church in my local context? How can I serve the church? And so I just want to invite you to be praying for the Ruby as God leads this local body. And so I'm going to pray right now. And after I pray, I'm going to invite us to to go and grab communion. It's in the back. And then to circle up with three or four people around us and just spend some time praying for the Ruby. And then Sam uh, will will lead us in worship, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Does that feel clear? Okay, let me pray. Um, God, I pray for, I pray, God, for just collective buy-in, God, that we would own being the body of Christ, that we would own that you have appointed the body of Christ to, to represent you directly, to be an extension of your kindness, of your healing, of your mercy, of your grace, of your power, of your righteousness. Father, will you unify our spirits here? 
Help us to, to lock arms together and to commit to being the church. What an honor it is, Lord, that you've given us this responsibility, this reward of, of, of representing you, Jesus. And I do, I pray, God, that because this church, individually members of it, is surrendered to you, that, that we see salvation, that we see needs met, that we see wounds healed. God, I pray that we just see like signs and wonders marked by your Holy Spirit because the church is being fully itself. Yeah, Holy Spirit, lead us. During communion, I know like pray for the church might be a weird prayer that we're not used to praying. Will you lead us by your spirit and help us to pray for the church? Help us to listen for you and to pray with our friends in Jesus' name. Amen.